Welcome and thanks for joining us here at the Bethel Church Podcast. For more information about Bethel and who we are, you can visit us online at BethelChurch.info. We hope you are encouraged and that you find hope in today's message. Fight. That's what we're in. We're in a fight. We're in a battle. We're in a war. Scripture mentions those kinds of words over 1,400 times. This is not a parade. This is not a country club. We weren't put on this earth to be entertained. We won't put on this earth to just chase happiness alone. We were put on this earth for the glory of God. And as the song says, we're soldiers in the army of the Lord. This word is a fight. It's a battle for the believer. In fact, the, the thing that probably characterizes the believer the most is this, is that once the spirit of God, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, comes to live inside of you, you now become a person in a battle. Before you were saved, you were okay with your sin. Some people say it's totally depraved. In other words, you were fine being bad. It didn't even bother you. But then you heard the gospel, the glorious gospel of Jesus. And it showed you the sinner you are. And it showed Christ as the savior that he is. And then you became a believer. And then the spirit of God lives inside of you. And now you have three enemies. You have a spiritual enemy, the devil and his army of demons. And they fight with lies. They try to tear down the truth of God's word and remove them from your heart and replace them with lies. lies. Why? Because it's the truth that sets us free. So it's lies that bring us into captivity. So we have a spiritual battle, who's a spiritual enemy who is constantly introducing these lies into the life of the believer. And these lies just so happen to play and prey on the desires of our flesh. So that's why the enemy can, can say a lie to you, whisper it in your mind, and it feels right, and it seems right, and it seems nice. Why? Because it plays and preys on the desires of our flesh. And these same lies are normalized by a perverted world. So it's not that we get attacked one front of a time. It's like I said, it's not like on Mondays and Tuesdays, we have a spiritual battle. And then on hump day, we have a fleshly battle. And then Thursday and Friday, we're going to fight the battle against the world. No, it comes at us from all angles. The lies come in, it feels right, and everybody else is doing it. So it's really easier to just go along with the lies in the short. But sin conceived makes a baby. And the baby eventually comes. And then you've got to deal with the consequences of sin. The pleasures of sin are only good for a season. Ephesians 6, chapter 6, verse 10 through 20. I'm going to read all of these verses. And we're going to be talking about them as we continue to fight the battle before us and fight the enemies of the believer Paul said in chapter six, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the, 
You guys have gotten so good at reading along. I'm so proud of you. Put on the whole armor of God, not a part of it. The whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Part of the reason we still struggle with fighting sometimes is we don't know what the armor of the Lord is. And many times we leave a part of us exposed and the enemy's fiery darts come at that area. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I know some of you, you came here this morning. Let me, let me rephrase that. Not some of you, some of us. You came this morning and you thought you were in a battle with a person, flesh and blood. But Paul says that even when you're staring at flesh and blood and you're in an argument or you're in a fight, that's really not your battle. Oh, Daniel, you're just being super spiritual. No, I'm being biblical. I don't think any of us are in danger of being super spiritual. In fact, I've never met a person that is too spiritual. I met some crazy people, (laughs) but nobody that is really, truly super spiritual. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is real. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, you just stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, don't leave home without it. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And it doesn't stop there. Praying at all times in the spirit. In the spirit. Praying at all times in the spirit. With all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert or stay sober. R.A. Whoop, whoop. I heard Recovery Alive was booming this past Friday night. By the way, if you're not doing anything on Friday night, Recovery Alive is a great place to be. Also, for those of you who are doing things on Friday night, Recovery Alive is still a great place to be. You can skip the bar and just come to Recovery Alive. You'll have a greater time and you won't wake up with a hangover. Food starts at six, service starts at seven. In all seriousness, Seriously, it's awesome what God is doing in recovery life. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, make supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. What you see here is that you have a man who is under house arrest and he is writing something, but Probably five or six feet away from him is a Roman soldier walking around him. Now, you know, and I think it's in Romans, ironically enough, 1 verse 20, it's somewhere around there. It says that we can see the natural things of this earth and then God uses them to unveil the invisible characteristics of a holy divine God. 
So while Paul is sitting there, he sees this Roman soldier in this armor and the spirit of the Lord begins inspiring him to use that armor to help teach us how we can fight battles. That's pretty cool. Now, there's a lot of things that I could talk about because it lists a lot of stuff. But this morning, I don't have but about 55 more minutes to preach or teach. And I say that joke every Sunday and you still graciously laugh at it. Thank you so much. You're a very kind person. (laughs) But what is listed first? Not the breastplate of righteousness, not the helmet of salvation, not the sword of the spirit, not the shield of faith, not the feet, shah, but the gospel preparation of peace, the belt of truth. The one piece of armor that is probably the most inconspicuous and and the one that nobody, like I mean, no kid is running through the house as an eight-year-old looking for a belt to go out in the yard and play battle. They want a what? They want a sword or a shield or a helmet. Can't you just see that? What would you like for your birthday? I would like a belt. You need a belt. Um... (laughs) But no, it's the belt. Ironically, this could be a whole other message. The belt of truth. (laughs) Okay. This plain piece of leather was the least noticeable, the least attractive, the most out of sight. Yet for the Roman soldier, now this is armor, but the problem with this armor is that it's not Roman armor. In fact, it looks nothing like Roman armor. Roman armor, they don't make it anymore mainly because there's not a Roman army anymore. But it was a very unique thing. They were literally covered from head to toe in armor. From the toes to the shins, there were these basically like shin guards and cleats with spikes on the bottom of the shoes so that they could stand firm. And right where that stopped, the breastplate actually went from the top of the knees to the top of the neck. And it was these two gigantic pieces of brass that were put together with these ringlets. But under all of that, they had the helmet of salvation on his head, but under all of that, he would have had a tunic and he would have this belt. And this belt was actually what everything else was connected to. The sword was connected to it. The spear was connected to it. The breastplate was connected to it. Without the belt, everything else would just fall off. Without the belt, everything else would be rendered useless because it wouldn't stick. This is the truth of God's word. Without the truth of God's word, everything else in our life falls apart. You can sing to your blue in the face. You can dance to your blue in the face. You can have community. Y'all have good community in your church? Oh yeah, we got great community. You can get plugged in, connected, What are the other words we use? You can move from the door to the core. You can become a partner, a member, an owner, a co-owner. You can do all these things, but without the truth of God's word, every little experience that you have is going to just fall off. It's not enough to just come and experience God. We have to learn God. We have to study God's word. We have to have his word hidden in our hearts so that we don't sin against God. 
Understand this, fighting the fight without the word of God in your heart is not really fighting. You're just dancing. You're doing the two-step with the enemy. You're doing the wobble. We have a lot of weddings in our house and our farm. White girls. <laughs> I'm just joking, white people. I love y'all. I really do. But without the word of God, you're not really fighting. You can sing to your blue in the face. This is how I fight my battle. How do you fight your battle? Not by singing, this is how I fight my battle. You need the tag of the song. You need the verse of the song. You need the content of scripture, the truth of God's word. We can't base everything in our faith on experience alone. Now, God is meant to be experienced. I'm not saying he's not. But he's also meant to be studied. And I'll tell you this, the more you study him, the deeper your moments of intimate experience will be. How will you put on the breastplates of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness if you don't understand that the righteousness of Jesus is what is given to us at salvation and it's not our righteousness? I have people come to me all the time and they're like, how do I know if I'm saved? And I'm like, what do you mean? How do you know if you're saved? Well, I messed up last night. Am I unsaved? No, I I really want to just, I'm going to kind of sound like a mean preacher today, but I really love you. And I'm I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? You, You think you just like lose your salvation by making a mistake? So we're saved by statistics now and not by the blood of Jesus Christ and the finished work of Calvary? Jesus came because we couldn't get our crap together. He didn't come because we were perfect. So when you mess up, you slip up and you sin, you've never been more the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus than in that moment. I'm not even preaching on the breastplate today. But you can't wear it without the belt. Because without the belt, it just doesn't stick. It doesn't stay. If you don't know what God's word has to say about your salvation, how can you put the helmet on? How can we wear the helmet if we don't know what we're being saved from and who we're being saved to? If we don't really truly understand that apart and aside from the spirit of God living inside of us, that we can't do good. And even when we try to do good, we do it for the wrong reasons that we really literally are totally depraved. And it takes the spirit of God pulling back the blinders from our eyes to see ourselves as the sinners we are and to see Christ as the savior he is. You'll be walking around trying to hold on your helmet. How can you fight when you're trying to keep a hold of your salvation? No, I go to battle knowing, knowing that he who started a good work in me is faithful to finish, that the victory has already been won. It's just my job to walk in obedience and walk out my salvation with fear and trembling, not work for it. 
The shield of faith doesn't even exist without the belt of truth. Literally, the shield would clip to the belt. It was not a little shield. The shield of faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So without the word of God, that faith doesn't, that shield doesn't even exist. Now attached to this belt, we're going to skip to the very bottom. Directly attached to it was the sword of the spirit. Now we all know that verse. I'm going to assume we all know. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And I'll just... Cliff's note, the rest, it just cuts right to the point. Gets right to the issue. But here it says the sword of the spirit. Doesn't say the sword. It says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. In other words, the belt of truth represents the truth of God's word, the Bible. The sword of the spirit represents the parts of the Bible that the spirit of God quickens to us in our moment of need. It's the difference between what some people call, and it's in there, a logos and a rima. Now, I know some of you are like, is he speaking in tongues, day of Pentecost? No, I pray in tongues, but just not right now. Logos, rima. Now, I know... Many of you know this, but many don't. The Bible was not written in English. I'm sorry. America is not the center of the Bible. <laughs> I know some of you are like, what? I'm crushed. Um, the Bible was not written in English. The second thing about the American language is this. It is a, it's, a, it's a pretty shallow language. Yes, they're sick in there. For example, like when you go to learn English, you know, we're trying to teach... Brother Tony, he knows English, great. But like the word bear, it could mean that you're carrying something or it's a big hairy animal that wants to eat you. You see what I'm saying? Like we do that. The word love. I love you, Caitlin. I really do love you so much. Okay, I now start getting all, cue my music right now. My boys, the men. Girl, you know it's been a long, okay, I'm just, I love you, Caitlin. I love you, Dante. I don't love you like I love Caitlin, though, bro. I'm just saying, it's just saying it's a whole different kind of love. I love my golden doodles. I don't love them like I love you. I love a good bacon cheeseburger with lettuce, tomato, ketchup, and mayonnaise, and a little salt and extra pepper. Mm. We use the same love word for all four, right? How shallow. So scripture, the, the, the languages, Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic, they're not like that. They have different words. You know, like when I tell my wife I love her, well, I don't need to go there. Um, I'll just get back to this. The word for word is different in certain contexts. Now, I know I sound like run DMC right now, the word for word, but... The words used for word in the Bible is a, is a different word for different reasons. And so one of the words used is the word logos, and one of the words used is the word rima, and that's R-H-E-M-A. Now, I'm going to kind of explain the difference a little bit. 
Logos is like, it's used in the verse in 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, do yourself to present, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handing, handling the logos of truth. In other words, the logos is all of scripture. It's the complete arsenal, all of God's word. My props kind of fell through this morning. Sorry, y'all. Yeah, you're gonna have to insert Pirates of the Caribbean jokes right now. That's all too soon though. I won't say anything about that. It's the logos of God's word. It's the entire arsenal. It's the studied word of God. Everything in here is logos. But that's not the word used when he talks about the armor. This is the belt of truth. The sword of the spirit, or in other words, the word that the spirit wields as a weapon in our lives is Rima. And it's a word that the Spirit of God takes that we've already read, we've already studied, we've already digested, and he quickens it to our mortal bodies. He quickens it to our mind. So when you're in the middle of a battle, when you're in the middle of a struggle, when you're in the middle of a fight, the Spirit will shine a light on a passage or a verse and bring you supernatural revelation about what God is saying to you in this fight and in this battle. So we don't win our fights by clicking our heels together. We win our fights, we win our battles by wearing the whole armor, but part of that armor is the sword of the spirit. So just when it looks like everything is going to go kerplooey and I'm going to lose the battle, the spirit of God will quicken a word to you in your moment of need. Has anybody ever had a word like that be quickened to you? I know that I have in my life. See, that's, that's the sword of the spirit. And I, I don't know about you, but I would rather have the spirit holding the sword for me and giving me the power to wield it and giving me the, revela- the revelation to know how to swing it. The logos is the entire arsenal. The, the rima, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is the sword that you need to win this battle. Not the Google search you need to win this battle. Not the advice from a friend that you need to win this battle. The word of God. When when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what were his first words every single time? It is written. We underestimate the power of God's word to build faith in our lives, to overcome the challenges that we face. I'll never forget in my life personally, I, was going, I went through a season where I could not sleep. Anybody ever been through one of those seasons? And then it went from a season to a lifetime. I could not sleep. Did not understand why. I would lay down, I could be dog tired, like I can't barely move. Get in the bed, something about my honey being on sheets and looking straight up at a fan made everything in the world come flying into my mind. And I'm over here like solving all these problems. Like what happens if the stock market crashes and then my my wealth already, going through all these things. Oh, and I'm playing out all these hypothetical situations. 
Some of y'all are thinking, are you a prophet? No, I'm a human. <laughs> so are you. And I could never fall asleep. And when I did fall asleep, I would wake up like a couple of hours later and I would literally wake up and my veins would be popping out of my arm and I'm like, Ugh! in fact, ask our staff here during that season of my life, they would come in order like, why were you emailing us at 3.30 in the morning? I was like, I couldn't go to sleep, so I just came to work. And one day I'm stumbling through Psalms, I'm tired, I'm ill, ask my wife, ask my kids. No comment, kids, some of my kids are here. Psalm 4.8, it was a Logos word that became a Rima word. I, in peace, I will both Lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. And when I read that for the first time, I had seen it many times, but when I really read it for the first time, I almost lost it. Because I said to myself, whoever penned this said, I will both lie down and sleep. Evidently, they knew what it was like to lie down and not sleep. And I'm like, that's me in peace. And the spirit of God quickened it to me. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself while I'm reading this, peace is mine. It's mine. I can lie down in peace. I don't have to let the fears and the anxieties of this world creep into my mind and take over a part of my life where I should be getting whole, healthy, and restored. Amen. Where my body is being, re- no, no, peace is mine. And daggone, I'm going to lie down in peace. And not only am I going to lie down in peace, I'm going to sleep in peace. And you know what the spirit of the Lord did to me right then? He said, why, 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 why are you going to lie down? This is what meditation looks like for me. Why will you lie down in peace? I'm like over, it's like a coach. What time is it? Sleep time. Why is it going to be sleep time? Because you alone, oh Lord, make me safe. I was like, why can I lie down in peace? Why can I lie down and sleep? Because you alone, oh Lord, not my Glock, not my AR, not my shotgun keeps me safe, but you alone, oh Lord, keep me in safety. You know what it hit me? Ever since I was a kid, I was always scared. I'll never forget the first night I moved out. I was like 20. I slept on the couch in my new living room with my 12 gauge beside me. I'm not joking. It was real life. I'm like, I'm kind of a grown man at that point in my life. Actually, not at all. I was just a boy with a job. And I'm like, why am I so scared? Well, the Spirit of the Lord also revealed to me to stop watching horror movies because God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind and intentionally scaring yourself when fear is not from the Lord and is the opposite of faith. Fear is fear. It doesn't matter how it comes in. We just can't control what it does when it gets inside of us. So I cut off the horror movies, but still struggled with sleeping. 
and he gave, turned a Logos word into a Rima word. In faith, I want you to believe and understand that God will quicken every single thing that you need to fight every single battle, but it will not come outside of a Logos understanding of God's word. We have to open our Bibles. This church, I love y'all, but this cannot be the only source of teaching in God's word that you get in your life. I've said it a lot lately, but it's not my job to feed you in the sense that I chew up stuff and put it in your mouth. That's just nasty. That translation of, of a pastor feeding the sheep literally translates to put them out to pasture. In other words, I'm just opening the gate to some stuff, to some grass, and you should really leave here realizing how hungry you really are. Not fool. In peace, that was my Rima word. Spirit-filled worship, spirit-filled experiences. But what about a spirit-filled study session? Can't you see it now? Night of worship, a few hundred people show up. We pack the place out. We sing. We scream. And keep coming to nights of worship. They're great. That's biblical. Everybody hear me? Amen. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great. Corporate prayer night. 60, 70 people show up, Bible study, seven or eight people show up. What if we had a night of spirit-filled Bible study? Well, we just all came with our Bibles and just laid in the altar and experienced God through his word. John 4 Jesus said, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. We believe in the spirit, the Holy Spirit. We are not for those of you who are all theological, we are not cessationists, we are continualists. We believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. Amen. But unfortunately, in churches like ours, we somehow pit the Spirit of God moving versus good sound doctrine, Uh-oh. like they're enemies. I'm not saying we do it, I'm saying in churches like ours. Like somehow worshiping in Spirit is at odds with worshiping him in truth. No, they go hand in hand. The more, this whole idea of, I just want to be intimate with the Lord. I just want to lay before his feet. Well, open up God's word and you'll learn so much about him that you'll know how to lay at his feet. Where are his feet? Where do I, you'll open up God's word and you'll understand why you have a hard time feeling his felt tangible presence because his felt tangible presence is always among broken people. And if you would go to broken people and love on them and serve them, you'd find an experience every single time. Intimacy and truth go hand in hand. But the enemy, he tells us lies. We are, there is a war right now of just straight up lies. Y'all know that, right? There is an assault on the truth of God's word. 
One of those lies the enemy is telling us is this, is that the word of God is not that important. Now, I told you I was going to kind of sound like mean preacher today, but it's really not mean. Y'all know my heart and y'all know why I say the things that I say, not because I live them out perfectly, but because it's the truth of God's word. And usually because I've looked in the mirror and seen where I'm not doing it right. And I figured there might be a couple of you who need to hear the same thing. Of course, the enemy would first attack us with the truth of God's word and the significance of God's word because he's trying to take your sword. He's trying to take your belt from you. How do we know if the word of God is important in our home? I'll just ask you this. What role does it play in your house? Is the television the centerpiece of the living room or is the word of God? Are we making it a priority, parents, to teach our kids in the morning until the night? When we're disciplining our kids, are we using scripture or are we just going off? Where does the word of God lie in importance to you as a person, to your family? Another lie the enemy tells us is that individualism is more important than unity. This is one of those uniquely American lies that we believe. There is a commanded blessing on unity, not on being the most eccentric version of yourself. We are more important than I. This lie creates divisions, schisms. It breaks apart families and church. Another lie that the enemy tells us that we believe Teenagers, I want you to hear me on this one real quick. If it feels right, it must be okay. The Bible says that we shouldn't follow our hearts, that it's deceitful above all things. Y'all hear me say this all the time, I know. If it feels right. I love Bluebell two-step ice cream. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? It was on sale for $5.99 at Food Line recently. I might have blown up our grocery budget last month. I just had to get some in storage just in case we go through a... Rich Cedarman knows what he bought too. Yeah, I'm not gonna tell you how many we bought. Caitlin, don't talk to him please right now. <laughs> Look, I wanna eat ice cream every day and it feels so good when I eat it. But y'all, I don't know if you know this, eating ice cream every day is not good. I just be listening to that song, listen to your heart. While I'm eating my ice cream. No, my ice cream's gonna get me unhealthy. You cannot do things because it feels right. We do things because they line up with the truth of God's word. Another lie the enemy's trying to tell us is this, is that prayer isn't important and it has no value. In the wake of, what, over 300 mass shootings in the United States so far this year, One of the most disappointing things that I have seen come from this, especially with the thing that happened in Uvalde was this, is that even believers are writing things like, we have to do more than just pray. Just and pray do not belong in the same sentence. We have to do more than just pray. No, actually we don't. 
If we take it to the Lord in prayer, don't be surprised when he gives you a spirit-filled initiative to make real change in our community, not just in a community a hundred miles away. There's no such thing as just praying. The Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That if we ask for it and we believe that we have received it, then it comes to pass. Prayer works whether we think it does or not. And the best initiatives that have ever come in this world that did make a difference, did make practical change, they came from people being on their knees before God and hearing what the Spirit had to say. So no, we don't need more than just prayer. We need more prayer. Another lie the enemy's telling us that we need the truth, the belt of truth and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is that church isn't important. No. I've had people say this to me all the time. Daniel, my relationship is between me and the Lord. Show me that in the Bible. Because there's like 40 or 50 one another commandments. How you one another in yourself? It's just weird. No, it's a love triangle. Your relationship is not between you and God. Your relationship is between you, God, and the bride of Christ. Don't tell me you love me and then turn around and say, but I hate your wife. Throat punch. I love the Lord. It's just people I hate. God, I love you, but your children suck. I'm just telling you right now, they're awful. Think about it. It doesn't really, how many of you understand? But, and I get, I get, I know why some of us say we don't like people. I understand that. But it's a lie that we believe. Come on. Right? And it feels good to our flesh. And a lot of people are forsaking the assembling together of the brethren so much more as we see the day approaching. So we just will do it too. No, we got to fight the fight. Amen. I'm almost done. You guys can stand with me. Another lie the enemy is, is whispering right now in our ears is this, is that the church is in decline. It's not in decline. All these companies that publish these terrible, saddening statistics are also trying to sell you a book they wrote about a how to reverse the decline in America at the bottom of their website. The church is not in decline. The church is alive and well. Look around here right now. Show up here on a Friday night. If you're depressed about the state of the church, then do something about it. Get involved. Serve. Come on Friday night and serve in the nursery on Recovery Alive. The church is not in decline. I'm getting nauseated and the closer I get to 40, the more I'm getting even meaner about every single social media post that starts with this. What's wrong with the church today? What's wrong with kids today? What's wrong with kids today is that you raised them. What's wrong with the church today? What's wrong if there's anything wrong with the church today is we critique and we complain about everybody else except ourselves. 
We use the truth of God's Word to highlight every discrepancy of everybody else, but we never use it as a mirror to ask the Lord to search my heart. Search my heart, oh God. And guess what? If He searches your heart and He shows you things about yourself that need to change, inevitably the church will change because you're a part of the church. The enemy just peppers us with lies. Another lie the enemy tells you is this. Things will never change. It's hopeless. Lies. He, y'all know it's my favorite verse, who began a good work is he's able to finish it. Things will change. And if you need a dose of hope and a dose of change, come to Recovery Live on Friday night. When they do a chip celebration and you see somebody come up here from one year of sobriety who could have never imagined their life without a substance to help them cope, things can change. Things can change. We have a hope. We have a hope. This is what I'm asking you to do. I don't want you to come to the altar today. I want you to reignite your passion for God's word. I'm going to ask you to do this set of time for study each and every single day. If you don't know how to study, that's fine. Email us at info at Bethelchurch.info. Write it down. Seriously, if you're struggling with how to study, email us and myself or one of our pastors will see you an individual email and we will talk with you about how to study God's word. Families, parents, make family devotions a priority each and every day. I I get it, I get it, You're, you're busy. You're not too busy to put on the belt that's gonna hold up your britches. You're not too busy to put on the belt that holds the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I also understand that many of us don't feel qualified to teach our children the Word of God. It's a lie from the enemy. Y'all see the fight? You get in the middle of a fight and then the enemy starts another fight and then he whispers another lie. You are so qualified to teach your children the Word of God. Miss Renita stood up here on sat up here on Mother's Day and she said this. She said that when her kids got in an argument, how many remember what she said about that? She would send them to her, their room and make them read a chapter out of Proverbs and then come back and tell her what they had learned from it. My wife laughed at me. My kids, we got home that day and they walked in the door and one of them was like, don't touch me. I'm like, I've been looking for a reason to tell them to do this. I was itching. I was like, go to your room right now and read Proverbs. And they were like, we didn't do anything. I'm like, yeah, but it's going to help. <laughs> Make it a priority even if you don't feel qualified, even if you stumble through it, even if you start pronouncing words and you don't know how to pronounce them, do it anyways. Be honest before your kids. Sit down at the table and open up the word of God and teach them in the morning when they wake up. Teach them in the evening when they lay their head down to sleep. Don't stop saying prayers. You kiss that stinky boy right on the forehead and you say, we're praying tonight. 
We're opening up God's word. I'm going to ask you to do this. Read more of the Bible than you listen to your favorite preacher. You get a word from the Lord from the word of God. Read God's word more than you read books. Best leadership book in the world. I'm looking for a good marriage book. I'm looking for a good book about how to handle conflict. I'm looking for a good book about how to handle my finances in a godly way. In faith, expect the Spirit of the Lord to turn Logos into Rima every single day. To our church, I tell you, the Spirit of the Lord did not come so we could shake, quake, and vibrate in the altars. Now, that might happen, and it does many times. It's hard to not be moved emotionally when the Spirit of God is showing you things in your life. He came, the ultimate end was to give us boldness, to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. I want you to imagine what would happen if we all put on the belt of truth and clipped on the sword of the Spirit. Every single person in this congregation was a sword-swinging believer. What would happen? Think about it. What would happen? Let's pray. Lord, I ask you to reveal every distraction, every false appetite that keeps us from putting on our belt of truth. I pray that you would show us anything and everything that competes with our time and study and our time with the word of God. Now in faith, Spirit of the Lord, I know that you will turn a Logos word into a Rema word. You will quicken it, quicken it to this mortal body. You'll show us in our time of battle the specific sword that we need to swing to win. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you enjoyed today's message, we want to encourage you to join our Facebook online community. Search for Bethel Church Online for more great content from our pastors and leaders here at Bethel. Join us next week for another inspiring message.